You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to episode 35 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level, I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How we doing, Rob? Ugh. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Uh, at least as happy as it can be. Uh, Rob yeah. and I are both coming off of colds yes. uh, right now, so uh, you get the joy of hearing us talk while I sound like I... Gargled razor blades and put myself through a third puberty or something. I just got my sexy voice. Oh, yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> this is as sexy as it gets, honestly. This is this is Storyteller Conclave After Dark. <laughs> Wait, I think that's going to be like Valentine's Day or something. We're going to do that. No, it's winter time in Michigan. It's that's every, true. Everything, everything four p.m. At, and and later is after dark. That is so true. That's so true. And morning is after dark. I mean, everything's after dark. <laughs> I haven't seen the sun but, in three months. <laughs> Where does color – actually, surprisingly, it's been kind of nice up until pretty much yesterday. Yeah, up until about yesterday. We got a light little dusting of snowfalls, a little bit of ice on the ground. But, yeah, it wasn't uh, – I mean it wasn't anything bad, but it was enough to put color, I guess white in the season. Yeah. But we've had sunny – I mean today was a nice sunny day. It was, it was actually kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. You know? So usually we have a lot of gray and this has been different. Yeah. So I think that's kind of helped us – you know, get out of the house as introverts. Get a little bit of funk out of just, you know, the seasonal effective. Sort yeah. Of, yeah. Know. I think that's – I mean I know I, some of our listeners suffer from it definitely. Well, I do. Um, yeah. And it – that is something to be considered and and right now I'm just going to say I congratulate all of the role players out there who got out of your house during seasonal effective disorder time, whatever your season may be, and – Went to other people's houses and played games instead yeah. of just sitting in front of your computer or TV and flexing, you know, doing Netflix until you lose your mind. Absolutely, you know? absolutely. No, it's uh, and it, I know it can be a rough time for a lot of people too because the the, the holidays can oftentimes be very, uh, you know, emotionally emotionally straining and yeah. you know, especially if 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 there's you know triggering things in the past and stuff like that. that yeah, you know, I I know sometimes some people just really dread the season. So yeah, definitely. big shout out to like honestly everybody if if yeah you're, for. All your for, struggles for, that... for coping with it, and I hope I hope you're you're weathering the storm well. And yeah, definitely, and definitely. I I I know that I had a lot of stress this season, but it wasn't my stress. Yeah, I was I was blessed with my family. Mm-hmm. They were really easygoing. Um, they kind of just accepted things as they came, and I think that made uh, made it a lot easier for me. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was it was nice to be able to just get through. And I say that, and it sounds terrible to say to get through. Like holidays are supposed to be fun, exciting, but as you get no, older, the they're same not. Way, yeah. You know, it's like you get the pressure of buying gifts, yeah. and you know, you, you the, the get pressure that those gifts are going to be thoughtful and you know, well accepted and stuff like that. So, God, you know what that feels level like? Level of social obligation. It's like running a game. It's a bit like running it's a just, game. You know? Like literally. <laughs> every every game session is just another holiday waiting. It's, oh you gotta, God! Got to get the gifts. You That's gotta, oh, so man. right. The what stress a, of giving gifts is exactly the same stress of DMing. If for you've people. never run a game, just remember Christmas and understand that that's how it feels for us every time. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> We're excited. We want to do it, Rob. We, we are trying to entice people to get into the hobby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. We just Can get a realization. <laughs> So anyways, uh, let's talk, today we're literally just taking it a little easy. It is the beginning of the season for us and I just wanted to make sure that everybody understood that this show is for our listeners. Yeah, like we, absolutely. We wrap this around the questions and comments and ideas that come from not only you but other listeners that we have out there, some mm-hmm. that are not on the Discord, that we applaud. I, I will say this flat out. I know we have listeners in Australia. Oh, yeah. We do. And yeah. funny enough, they actually helped me with my game. So thank you to you listeners in Australia. You definitely helped me with the game. I will eventually be able to tell Sarah what they did for me. But – 
there was some really cool things that they added. Okay, okay, okay. And, and we, uh, uh, I, I had an exchange with uh, someone uh, from the UK, actually, oh, uh, who yeah, 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 uh, was yeah, yeah, listening yeah. to us as well. So, uh, uh, you know, welcome, welcome to all of our new listeners, yeah. wherever you are in the globe. We appreciate all of you. Join our Discord, please, please. We accept everyone on it. We would love your input. We'd love to know how gaming is different from where, where you're at. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it give us those perspectives. Help us get a little bit more because just in the stuff that I learned – Cultural perspectives are so different. Oh, they are. Gaming perspectives are. are so different. Huge. But there are certain aspects that are similar and mm-hmm. definitely things that we can learn from those aspects. Mm-hmm. So let us take our Americanized questions here and answers and see what we can do with some of these things that got kicked to us on our lovely Discord. Wait, though. You know what? What? Bef- before we start that. Before what? we start that. What? what? I, I Rob got back in the DMing saddle. I did yesterday. Okay, we you... played the first game of Rob's uh, first session of Rob's of Rob's game. Finally, after what, what, like a three year hiatus or something like that on it, a little bit more. Oh my goodness, was it, it was more? A lot more. Was it like five years? Two thousand eleven. No, that was the last entry I have. No. Yeah. Oh my, we haven't played for. Nine years, mm-hmm. eight and a half, something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is even more significant than I thought. So <laughs> same I campaign, just, same look, campaign. I just want to give a shout out to my co-host here. Thank for you. we we you know we talk about getting back in the saddle yep. and experienced storytellers coming back to the game and whatnot. Yep. So I want to give a big shout out to you. Thank you. I was a player in this game. You are. I thought you did a beautiful job. Thank you. We have spent the last day and a half essentially going over breaking some things down. And yeah. Whatnot yeah. And, um, you know, some some thoughts about this and some hopes and dreams for future sessions. Sy- and system changes for me. Yeah. Um, because I'm I'm not as fluent in fifth edition as you are. Well, the old game fifth edition wasn't even technically out. I think because I think fifth edition's only been out for like five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I mean, we were using 3.5 rules. Yeah. When we played that. Yeah, so we that weren't even really, using Pathfinder. We that, were using 3.5. That, that right? gives you the age. Yeah. So we dated ourselves. Right yeah. There. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, it was, it was every bit challenging and anxious at the last minute that I remember. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I ran a one shot this summer. Which was nice. Mm-hmm. It, honestly, I highly recommend it. If you haven't GM'd in a while or it's a system you haven't touched in a while, run a one shot just to get you kind of like – just it, it, it's like a bike ride up to the corner before you do a marathon kind of a thing. Yep. You know, just get, yep. get comfortable with Stretch what you're the doing. legs. Remind yourself what physical activity yeah. feels like. And, yeah, and and then step back into it even if it's a different system, whatever, you know. Yeah. Um, and that was. It was Palladium, which mm-hmm. is something I hadn't – I literally haven't run Palladium in – since I was in my early 20s. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say um, you missed it. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I didn't miss the system. Mm-hmm. I missed the setting. Yeah, yeah. And that's – and that I basically – That was your Robotech one shot. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually ran Ghost Ship for those of you who know Robotech mm-hmm. and, and know a little bit about uh, what it is. And uh, I ran it for three of their friends and uh, had done some pre-gen for them. So it was really easy. They basically just picked their backgrounds and then – I told them they had to figure out how they knew each other and they decided, let's do some random roll. And so we used the random roll table. Oh, cool. And they figured – they came up with how they were related to each other yeah. in friendship and bond and it worked out fantastically. Just using those as storytelling prompts. And then they That's also great. wanted me to roll on their, 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 their psychological profile, which – Totally was fantastic. Oh, goodness. That came out awesome and they totally want to play another game of those characters. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was funny. Uh, but to get to this game, mm-hmm. um, I think the part of it that really got me was is that I was able to pick the whole story right back up back in about July mm-hmm. really is when I picked, started picking it back up um, and doing writing for it and figuring out what I was going to do. And then you, we, I waited for the Black Friday's sales for um, – D&D Beyond, D&D Beyond yeah. and picked up uh, a subscription and uh, three of the books mm-hmm. um, that I needed and basically just started with that. Yeah. And uh, got my players onto it, got them to roll up their characters into fifth edition. And uh, I actually started the game off right at the point where we left off. Yep. And you guys yep. picked back up very quickly. 
Yeah, I was it, really surprised. I was worried, uh, having not played uh, my my character for so long, mm-hmm. that I kind of lost where she was. But you and I had some conversations. Yeah. Uh, you know, we go, we go, we go. We've mentioned before we go to dinner um, before yeah. podcast every time. We yeah. just kind of warm up and you know get get some role playing discussion going. And uh, it's not always about the podcast. No, but usually about role playing in general. Yeah. And uh, we stay on so, topic. <laughs> uh, we talked about you know as he, as he was getting more writing done stuff like that the motivations of my character and that got me thinking about her a little bit more. And I think once all of us got to the table and you got into the narration, I think all those characters just came right back out. Yeah. I mean, he, Trevor had uh, his problems. Yeah. Um, but he said by the middle of it, he he remembered his character. Yeah. And that was wonderful to hear. Yeah. You know, I, I liked how everybody refelt their characters back out mm-hmm. and kind of kind of reinvigorated them within themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was that was wonderful to feel. It really was, and uh, it, it felt good because I really liked this character, and I really mm-hmm. liked the setting too. Yep. So, yep. Um, so yeah, just want to give like I said, I just want to give a give a quick shout out for you know, congratulate that. you for getting back in the saddle. I appreciate and, that. And there's definitely some things that will come out of this, some common threads that we'll be able to talk to to the yeah. group about things, and we're they're going to be fifth edition specific for some of them. But even tonight, we started coming across some topics. We we're like, oh, that's. That's something we can talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and absolutely. we'll get to that. We've actually got some um, some questions that kind of lead into one of them like we didn't expect. Right. So um, do you want to get into the questions first? Yeah. So that's kind of the other thing that we wanted to do tonight. Uh, for those of you who are on the Discord, you kind of saw the uh, the, the prompting because mm-hmm. we, were, um, we were asking for questions and such like that. Um, yeah. But for those of you who aren't on our Discord, uh, we wanted to uh, kind of do a listener appreciation show. Um, you know, it's the yeah. beginning of the year. We've had uh, 34, you know, great episodes before and, you know, largely because of the contributions of our community. Mm-hmm. And you guys are really making, you know, kind of driving this conversation for us a lot and uh, bringing – keeping it really uh, – Vibrant and real for us, right? You know? Right. Uh, keeping it, keeping it all fresh for us, and giving us fresh ideas, things to talk about on and off the show, and uh, so we wanted to just kind of take an entire show, really, to kind of just answer your questions. We usually throw mm-hmm. them in the last you know, f- ten, fifteen minutes of our show, but yeah, really, this whole thing is just we we wanted to just really address your burning questions here, right? Right. And funny enough, one hit my head that isn't in our discord and what didn't come from that um that i'll throw into the list here uh because i talked to somebody on reddit and who was really interested in 7c and i hope they get a chance to listen to the show um because i'm going to talk a little bit about some of the question they had do you want to do you want to start with that one while you're thinking of it no it's fine we can get into it let's let's get through our listeners they're the ones who are here right now but i'll tack it in there and we'll we'll roll it right through all right we're just gonna go in order yeah why not why not all right Top of our order, we have uh, one of our Patreon contributors, Ela May. Thank you so uh, much. Who's asking? Uh, may have been talked about, um, but what are some techniques you like for coming back from long breaks or a hiatus? Oh, that seems mm-hmm. <laughs> on the nose, Rob. Um, to jog memories and or get back into the swing of the story. Well, since you just did that yourself, do you want to field this one? Um, I'm going to field it as a storyteller. Yeah. Um, I think for me – uh, as a storyteller, going back to a story and continuing that story, I actually had uh, looked at my game notes. I keep a lot of notepad notes, right, um, right, like digital notepad notes and physical sometimes um, of my games, uh, and it gives me a quick synopsis of that day, like what kind of happened. Because I'm t- mm-hmm. at the time, and I'm still not good at. It, I don't write summaries. It's a, I'm a terrible person about that um, because I think that's important, and I'm definitely going to be doing it more. Um, yeah. I see the value in it more and more every time I see it. Um, so I'm going to get back to that. Uh, but going back, it kind of brought a lot of joy because I was able to remember moments in history that uh, happened and events. I was able to look at the NPC lists uh, of names and who they were and what their significance were was. And I was, it was very easy for me to rebuild the world. Um, so I think that gave me instant jogs from me. Um, I think to the same regard, it gave me something to bring up to my players, mm-hmm. uh, points of interest. When I at, would ask them, like, what do you remember? You know, they could then say, well, I kind of remember this. I'm like, yep, that did happen. Yes. yes. Um, so from your perspective uh, as a player. Uh, so as, as a player, um, God, it was almost nine years. Doesn't, doesn't <laughs> feel like it though. Uh, so I, I think a lot of it was, um, uh, I, I think I, 
I've had a pretty great success with like sort of roundtable discussion, you know, mm-hmm. like you were saying of like asking not not just saying to the players this is what happened, but engaging the players and actively engaging their memories and saying uh, you know, so what do you remember happened? What stuck out for you? Cuz you're going to get little nuggets from everybody. And people will kind of play off each other. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that guy who did that thing, right? You know, oh, yeah, we were in that town where that thing was happening. Mm -hmm. And then it'll all kind of get pieced together. Um, But I think it's also, you know, valuable um, something that I've been doing Mm -hmm. uh, between gaming sessions because we only play once a month. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if schedules get screwed up, it's more like two. Mm. Um, That that I've been doing is uh, you keep a – you keep a fact summary. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now I post this on D and D Beyond, so it's always there for people to review, and I read it directly off D and D Beyond at the beginning of every single session. And when I say it's a fact summary, I mean it's not a flowery, storyized thing. It literally is a list of this happened. This person revealed this fact to you. Right. Um, I will never lie. In one of those summaries. No. I want you to understand that everything in that summary is a truth. Yep. And that you can base knowledge upon those revelations as not like conjecture or opinion or uh, even even red herring. Correct. Well, no, I mean red red herrings are necessarily like – but lies. Right. uh, Mistruths, things that are meant to lead you astray. Right. I mean there may have been a red herring deliberately put in the game – that is something we noticed, but but it is. But I will factually state that you learned that fact, right? Um, you know, and then later when it's revealed to be a red herring, we can talk about it being a red herring, correct? But that thing was revealed to you. Correct. It is a fact that it was revealed, correct? You know, it is still something you learned. It was something you noticed. It was something you found. Right. Um, and in some cases, like in my story, um, and this is one of the reasons why I feel those summaries are so important, and I'm really bad at them, unfortunately, is that. Um, I felt that there were some things missed in this session zero that I ran. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just because people were getting comfortable, maybe because people are still trying to remember their characters and kind of get into that feeling. But I kind of feel like maybe there were some things lost in this. And so I think that summary for me is going to help the players readapt to that session zero and continue moving forwards and and be able to feel like they know what's going on and what's yeah. important. Yes. Because there were some very important moments that occurred. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, now, the second thing that I do in my game sessions is immediately after reading the fact summary, I roll into an intro. Yes. And now, this is storytelling. Yes. This is, this is just purely plot exposition, but typically it picks up the story narration right where the last one left off. Mm-hmm. So that I can set the appropriate mood and lead in any characters or events that are significant to how that scene is being set. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, so factual exposition. Yes and no. Um, Be- before I'm, the descriptive scene. Well, yeah. No, I'm saying this is the descriptive scene. Oh, OK. OK. Um, so you roll straight from the fact thing like mm-hmm. this is the events that led up to here. Now. And. The story begins with this right? as such and such and such happens. So that way you're not just going from a cold factual read mm-hmm. into a, OK, role play. Right. OK, go. Do yep, it. Yep, yep. You know? Yeah. And then your players are just like, oh, uh, OK, hi, I am Gallstaff. You know? Yeah. Now you give them a little bit of a prompt. You take them out of the – just the factual reading that sounds like Wikipedia. Right. And you get them into some narration with some music yes. and an NPC maybe saying, you know, he knocks on your door and, yeah. excuse me, sir, you know, are you awake yet? And then you allow that character to reply and boom, role-playing starts. Did you did you feel that I took that from you and used it in my session well? I did. Yeah. I did. I, I really liked the way you do that and I literally – Baked into my opening that, mm-hmm. and I, I think it worked well. Yeah, like, I, I, I think really you well. did. You, did you feel it come back to you like that? That like reverberating mirror effect <laughs> of like I know what he's doing here, and I like it. Yes, <laughs> yes, it did. Excellent. And I respect. It. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so I hope that helps, Ilime, uh with uh, the question. I guess uh, our next one is from Mad Elf. Um, as a storyteller, when you feel the urge to try out a different story, explore an idea, do you pitch it to your current group? If so, how do you pitch it as an alternative to what your your regular sessions, as next game you'll run, etc.? Ooh. Ooh. Um, 
I think once I have a completed idea, uh-huh. I tend to talk about it a little openly with people, but maybe not necessarily the group, but definitely people who I think might be interested mm-hmm. and that I might be interested in bringing to the game. Yeah, yeah. And that's – I think that's challenging because there are times when you have a game idea and you're like, I want to run this in a certain way and some of the people in this area are not necessarily the people that I'm thinking would really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. But that's... I still want their opinions on what they think of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like you, I really would love for you to run something with Dread Rules just because I want to effing try it. I know for a fact we're going to talk about it in front of my wife who hates horror mm-hmm. and intense things like that. That is not something – she ain't going to watch those kind of – or act in those kind of things. That's not going to be something <clears throat> she'll ever want to do right? because right. it's too intense for her. But it's definitely something I want to try and experience. I think it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, sure. Um, so that's a situation where you're sitting in a group of people who are like that person is – I mean they may be interested in the story but I know they're not going to want to play this game and it's totally going to play differently with them in the group than mm-hmm. I really want to see it. So I think that's – I think that's definitely something that – it's not so much a pitch – until you get to a point of saying, hey, I have this idea um, and I want to run it for people and I'd like you to join me on this. What do you think? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's that's probably pretty accurate. Uh, I think the, the key to answering this question for me is knowing your players. Mm-hmm. And like you said, knowing who to pitch it to, like yeah. you said with Dread. You know, I would never pitch a game of Dread to Vicky. Right. You know, right. It's, it's way too – anxious and terrifying and just wouldn't mm-hmm. ever be mm-hmm. her cup of tea. Right. You know, Sean, on the other hand, is the exact opposite of the spectrum, I think. And he just doesn't – he doesn't really get scared by things like that. So right. he wouldn't he wouldn't feel the dread. Right. He'd just be like, there's no dice in this game. I don't get it. You right. Know? Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. Uh, no, not that he wouldn't get it. I mean, but, you know, he wouldn't – it wouldn't engage him in the way that a role-playing game – scratches his particular itches for role-playing games. Right, you know? right. Um, and he doesn't enjoy horror as a genre in general. Right. And just, just doesn't do anything for him. Right. You don't, you don't get an emotional response, so why bother? You know? Right, right. Um, knowing that you're interested, yep. I would pitch something like this to you. Right. You know? uh, but I might, I might shop around for just the right group. And sometimes that's not always the people who are your – Regulars. Yeah, your regulars, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, I mean, right there, that's two of my regulars out the door. Right, right, you know? right, right. That's harsh. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's sometimes when you do individual pitching to mm-hmm. people, they give you ideas. They might give you like, yeah, this person, you'd be surprised. This person might do it, you know? Yeah. Or have you thought about this person? Like, for instance, the other night, um, when Sean was pitching to, to the general group of us about uh-huh. an idea that he went around and it kind of came off that it was, there were new people involved. I'm like, I know some new people who would love to play an effing game yep. right now. And it was just out of the – like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great idea. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of thing you want because that re- re-energizes like the whole thought pattern of, yeah, let's do that. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. And it it gives you a different perspective. So I think not pitching it necessarily to the group as a new idea but knowing if that group is the group you want to continue with. Yeah, absolutely. So, And uh, as, as for where it kind of fits in the sessions – Okay, heat sink is in the uh, is in the the, the live show chat. Uh, that's uh, that's Sean, and he's saying that uh, yeah, it would still be it would still be fun to play. So yeah, okay, maybe you know, but but this is the sort of discussion you need to have. Yeah. You know? On the other hand, if I'm running a seven C game currently, mm-hmm. and we're rolling through it, and maybe it's getting to a point that I kind of feel like it's coming to a close. Mm-hmm. I might say, hey, I am interested in running another game after this that's a different setting. Would you guys be interested? And I did that actually with yeah. uh, moving to Children of Heroes. Yeah. Absolutely. You guys had played an adventure. We had done a bunch of stuff in it. And I'm like, hey, guys, what would you think about starting out as henchmen level heroes as kids? Mm-hmm. And it was like, what? And I kind of prompted to the group that. And got a good response because I expected it. Yeah. And there were a few adjustments and discussions that were about it, but it was very minor. Mm-hmm. But I think that worked out really well and kind of gave me interest in like, yeah, I'll, I'll keep writing this then. We'll I, go that way. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, I think I think a lot of the the other the, the the scheduling thing too really kind of depends on how real life is laying out for you. Always. Um, you know, if if you're having 
trouble getting your own one, you know, one once a month regular game right. going, you know, between the writing and the painting and the crafting new terrain oh, tables. Or <laughs> or just like maybe your head is in in the space to be able to continue that type of game. Yeah, exactly. Maybe you can pitch things to your group and say, hey, this – I can't feel this story anymore. Right. I'm, but I am energized by this other thing that I found. Would you go with me to that story? Yeah. Would you move with me to that story? And we yeah, just absolutely. move to that story. I think uh, you know some, something I saw online it was like you know the, uh, the 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 storyteller is a player in their game too, and mm-hmm. it is important that everyone, including them, is having fun. Right. So you know if your game is stressing you out, and but there is a new idea that is that is that is inspiring you, maybe it is time to have a conversation. Yep. About moving on. You yep. know. So. Yeah, but talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Communication is, is key. key. We're going to keep selling that even through 2020. Oh, my goodness. All right. You want to take the next one? Yeah, sure. Uh, so uh, top-level contributor, Knox in the Box. Knox, Knox. Thank you. We'll uh, hype him today. Absolutely. Uh, we've said that killing a PC at the hands of a random thug is unsatisfying. <laughs> but is maiming them too harsh an alternative? Losing limb, perhaps, instead of your life? In the long run, could this be worse to recover from if the player would much rather just roll a new character? I have a lot of feelings about this topic. It could take a while. Oh, well, I, we got a whole show for it, man. I know. I know. I mean, this is actually a really great question. Okay. Do you want to go first or do you want – I'm going to let you go first because I right. could go on for a while about this. So as far as uh, like de- deaths of characters or – you know permanent inconvenience of characters like you do said, we like, want like to avoid that part of this discussion and focus on his alternatives not necessarily why you do an alternative but is the alternative a, a good option and is it worse i think we should focus there because we have a lot we could have a long discussion on killing pcs it's it's a nuanced question i agree um, i agree but, but, but where i where i'm going with it is is that i think it needs to be a conversation with your player Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking a bit at uh, at dinner, and yeah. you mentioned a player that literally like threw a fit and, and argued with you for an hour, and then left the table and never played with you ever again over the death of a character. He did, and um, you know, I, I think that's to me that's that's kind of where a uh, a conversation with the player needs to take place. Of like, okay, mm-hmm. so clearly you had different expectations of how this would turn out. Yes. You know? And the death of your character is not something that you see as necessarily acceptable. Is there a way that in our story we can work it out that your character may not be dead mm-hmm. or might be in some way lost or like you said, maimed or yeah. you know, have lost something very precious to them? Mm-hmm. So their story can at least continue. Yeah. But you know, at a at a consequence. Because we can't just say like, okay, well, you know, you you utterly failed to eject from your Veritech and in in the middle of what is it what is essentially a nuclear explosion, which mm-hmm. you wouldn't have your parachute wouldn't have survived anyways. No. So and then you fell four thousand feet afterwards and you think you're just gonna survive literally all of those things yeah. without consequence. I can't do that. Right. But if losing your character is something that's – I want everybody to have fun. Right. The whole key, the whole reason we're sitting at this table right. is so we can tell a story and have some fun. Yep. And if adherence to the strict rule that you should be dead is going to get in the way of that mm-hmm. and it's going to result in you being angry in real life and never wanting to play with me ever again, whatever. It's a guideline. Right. We can work around that. Right. We can tell any number of stories here. Yep. Okay. If you can come up with a feasible reason of why you may have survived, and we can talk about what might have happened to your character. Mm-hmm. Okay. How badly they were wounded. What you know? How they survived the fall. What shore they may have washed up on. Who took care of them and nursed them back to health over the next several months, et cetera, yep. et cetera. How the other players are dealing with your apparent demise because you're missing in action right now, mm-hmm. presumed dead. Yeah. You know, but there's stories that continue from that. Yeah, those characters now have to experience grief. This mm-hmm. other character may have to experience a loss of, as you brought up in your own question here, Knox. You know, a limb. Mm-hmm. Um, you may have some sort of, uh, if if you're in a cybernetic, you know, sort of uh, sort of environment, you may have like a a bionic replacement. Mm-hmm. Of some sort, and you've got to deal with the idea of being part machine and what that means and. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all sorts of stories you can tell from that, but it, that has to be a conversation with that player. Yep. Um, so I don't think it's just as cut and dry as is maiming them too harsh an alternative. 
Right. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it is. But maybe it isn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it more important that they keep their character or that they keep all the limbs on the character? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, I think it depends on system. Yeah. I think it depends on system and on players. Um, in something like uh, 7C specifically, uh, there are all kinds of things that the story does to keep the story going. Um and it definitely makes it easier for you to recognize when player death is going to occur or when it's not or when it's going to be something critical. And uh, I think that maiming is definitely a way to go in those types where you're a hero. You're going to lose something and there are uh, flaws much like um, – if you're familiar with uh, White Wolf, Merits oh, yeah. and Flaws, yep. where you can just be like you're blinded mm-hmm. in one eye. So that means you're you're at fault on a few things there. Maybe you also have uh, you know anger issues. Mm-hmm. So if I spend a drama die, you're angry and it, you, you will not make successful uh, – you know charisma checks effectively. Mm-hmm. You know any of your social skills are are at a deficient. You know a severe depreciation of you know two dice. Yep. You know you're at a two dice penalty, and none of your stuff explodes. Mm-hmm. So even if you roll well, you're basically holding back your anger when I do that, and I can do it at will. Just spend a drama die, and guess what? You're angry, and you know who you are. You're mad. I moody. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, I immediately thought of him of somebody who was maimed. Who clearly has a problem, has a drinking issue, probably as well, mm-hmm. you know, because nobody seemed to have a problem with him slamming back drinks, you know. But at the same time, like, he's been through a lot. He has. He's a big, beefy character in that story. So, uh, nice, nice. Uh, we, we're glad to have you here, Technology. Thank yeah, you Technology so much for showing up, in. Just showed up in the live chat. Thank uh, you. I, ha- I swear to God, I didn't. I, I typed blocked and reported in the live chat. When he, says, <laughs> he says, sorry, I'm late. And I was just like, blocked and reported. And apparently he got dumped off the off the live stream at the exact same time. I swear I didn't do that. That was not that was that not was... us. That was not us. Um I honestly think the the wife uh, the uh the internet here was a little slow when I got connected up. So there there may be some glitches. We apologize yeah. if you're running into some things like that. Um but yeah, I think maiming is totally a legitimate way to go. Mm-hmm. Um I think uh, I think it's a good alternative and I think that that for the right group, if you feel that your players are very invested, maybe they're, you know, 10th or 12th level and they've been in a campaign for, I don't know, 20 years, that give them grace mm-hmm. and be like, all right, here's the situation. Would you like to be maimed or lose something? Uh, there was a situation that actually happened during the act two of my game mm-hmm. where one of the players was going to die down a pit. Oh. Do you remember that? <laughs> I remember talking that character out of the pit, yes. Do you remember that she lost something? Well, he lost something. I, since it was I don't actually. The bracers. The bracers? Bracers of climbing. Oh. Were still attached to that wall. Oh, no. I, yep. I, I honestly don't remember. I, the only thing I remembered about that conversation was uh, that that person – Thought that there was a good thing in the bottom of that pit, and it was and not. And my character knew that it was a very bad thing in the bottom of that pit, and, and talked s- them out of going into it. Well, they were mostly into it. They, yeah, they were dangling on the edge of the right. ledge. And basically, I had written that that pit was basically a pit of death, yep. effectively. And uh, flat out said, like, you don't, you know, you don't want to go in there. Like, I'm going in there. I'm like, okay, you go in there, make a climb check. You failed it. Okay how we want to do this because you're basically dead. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, uh, what? I, no, I didn't. I said, I was very clear. Okay. And I said, all right, you're hanging onto the wall after you slip by your bracer. Mm-hmm. The one important magical item that you love. You can use it as a climbing pick or pin basically, but you can't climb with it. Ah, yeah, yeah. And they got okay, stuck okay, okay, okay. in the pit and are still there to this day oh, kind geez. of a thing. Oh, jeez. So they lost a magic item. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a valid way to do it. That's if, like, absolutely You know, if you're a high-level character and you lose like a plus two greatsword. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's maiming them. Yeah, That's absolutely. a maim in some case. You know, especially if you're a fighter. If you're a spellcaster, maybe the spellbook falls. Yeah, that's oh god! Can you imagine right having there. to restart for your spell collection? From all you scratch all and... you have is what's left in your head for the day to write down. Yep, and you spend all day writing those. Mm-hmm. You know, and and maybe you get them out, but 
you don't have your other spells. You have to unlearn those. Yep. And I mean, that's harsh. But at the same time, you didn't die. No, you didn't die. And that'll – that. I mean, your character's going to be scarred by that. Uh, keep in mind too that there's also uh, social maiming you can do as well. Um, yeah. You know, if a character is a member of an order that Ooh, holds, yeah. um, you know, some sort of a code and uh, if they – you know, if failure is a red enough mark against them yeah. that um, – you know, you nearly died out there and that – we don't think you have what it takes to cut it anymore. You're no longer a member or you're now demoted. You've been ostracized by your noble family. Yeah. You don't have your money anymore. Yeah. You don't have your clout. You don't get to use the name. Please remove resources four from your li- uh, from your uh, from your attribute list. Like yep. holy crap. That's powerful yep. stuff. Res- uh, um, reputation. Mm-hmm. Your, per- your reputation has been permanently removed. Yep. You know, holy crap, what do you mean? You know, and you change up the yeah. scenario, you You're, know? Because of what happened in that thing, you yeah. are now a social pariah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that those are definitely ways you could get around it. You're alive, you have all your equipment, yep. you still have all your money, and it's nobody wants to deal with you. Right. And and that's challenging. Mm-hmm. You know? So But again, I you know, I, I want to bring it back around. These are all great ideas, but they should be a conversation with the player. You know, right? Um, I, I think in a lot of games, you know, we're still we're still kind of working out of that old mentality. Um, you know, from like D and D first and second edition. You right. know, uh, especially a lot of the old guard kind of still see the um, the dungeon master player dichotomy the as a as yeah as an adversarial relationship. Yeah, and I think it's 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 rapidly changing. I, you know, and I look back and I'm like. It's not written that way. Mm-hmm. But it's really not. But I think there was a, a want for some competition there. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that maybe bred it, you know? Yeah, maybe. I, I think, you know, you probably end up with some unscrupulous DMs early on in the day who wanted to get that sort of, you know, Game of Thrones style gotcha on their uh And besides uh, that, players. a lot of times you only hear about the bad stuff. You yeah. rarely hear about the good. That's true. Nobody, I mean, it's funny. You talk about good stories, mm-hmm. but you don't hear about good storytellers necessarily. You hear about the bad ones. Mm-hmm. You know, oh man, this restaurant sucks. Their food was terrible. The music was loud and I never want to go back there again. Great. Uh, do you any, know any good restaurants? You're like, uh, and you probably eat at a hundred places. Yeah. But like, Thinking of one off the top of your head, you're like, uh, yeah, but you know the one that sucks. Exactly. Yep. 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 It's I mean, true. Look, you you want proof of this? Look at Yelp reviews. Oh dear God! Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, look at look at all your reviews online. Everybody hates you. Well, no, not everybody hates me. Thirty three people were disappointed out of the literally hundreds of thousands of customers we have. Right. You know. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, funny, but but at the end of the day, though, I you know I, I think it's I think it's a very rapidly changing opinion that it's not an adversarial relationship. I think that you know people are coming around that it is a a collaborative storytelling experience. Um, the player and the storyteller should work together, and so if you you know if something like this big does come up where the death of a character you know a character's fate hangs in the balance, you need to not at least discuss it with the player. Possibly yeah. the whole group. Yeah, I th- I think that's good. I think that's good. And just find find a way where the story unfolds and continues yeah. in a way that is satisfactory to everybody. And who knows? You may you may go over to that character thinking that you are going to have that huge confrontation and be like, "Dude, I'm so sorry, but it looks like your character might die in this exchange." And they might look you in the eye and go, "Like, that's fine. I've got a great alternate character waiting yep. in the wings, and yep. I'm really excited about them." Yep. How how do how does my character die? And you're gonna be like, oh, okay, you're not mad at all. Neat, you know. Um, Technolich, real quick. Yeah, no, it's not no. at all uh, too late to throw out a throw out a question. Yeah. Please, yeah, by all means. We're, we're gonna move on to 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 another one by you, but actually, I'm gonna skip uh, the Technolich one here, and I'm gonna go to Overwatches because I think that one is gonna take us a lot longer to discuss. Yeah, sure, man, um, sure, man. But but yeah, throw it in the mix. Yep, absolutely, yep, definitely toss it on out there. Uh, there was a New Year's question from uh, Overwatch. Thank you again for uh, supporting us. Um, how do you feel about time jumps in campaigns? <laughs> if you <laughs> that feels them, a little on the nose. How Rob. do you? Nor- I totally read this one and not realize I read this. How do you normally handle them? Uh, things to look out for. First off, uh, well like after me, after your game jumped two hundred and eighty seven years, I think it was. It did. It did. So uh, one of the problems that I had was. I was going from 3.5 to 5. 
and I needed in my story a change. Now, I had technically written this in. This was actually part of the plot like you know, 15 years ago yep, when I started I, I this. remember the setup for it. Yeah. So, there, yeah it I, didn't surprise me when it yeah, happened. Yeah, it was funny was when I, I, I broke it into three acts mm-hmm. and at the beginning of act two, I, my, my, uh, my forward to you guys was a scene uh-huh. that literally is the opening to act three yep. Yep. Uh, that you guys walked right into. Yep. So they knew like, God, I don't know what, t- 12 years ago. That this is what it was going to end up with. There was something involving a genie. And exactly. then when, when all of a sudden it was like, poof, your wish has come true. The genie has summoned this group of adventurers. My wish. Yeah, that was your final wish. My job here is done. Whoop. And gone. And just gone. And we're like, oh, that effing genie. Yeah. Like, <laughs> damn it. And that was the whole thing was is that uh, for me, um, that time jump had a few things in it that I had to be very careful about. Um, I will say – um, the time jumps on a small scale. Mm-hmm. Let's let's talk about simple time jumps, like travel time jumps, um, where it's like, hey, we're going to be going from this city to this city, and as a storyteller, you're like, I don't want to do anything in between. Yeah, you know, I, I let's just let's go ahead. So you just do an exposition of how boring or challenging the sea ride was yeah you know going from point a to point b and suddenly you're now in this new port and it's been three months you know or whatever on this journey and people are like okay well for those three months what i was doing well we were on a boat you know i'm gonna give you three resource-based actions that you can do while you're on that boat sure uh and you may improve one skill like i might do something like that if it's been three months Mm -hmm. you know um you know, or I might just have said you have better camaraderie with the crew, you know, and, uh, you know, the, 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 you made really, you know, if you guys give me a couple social roles, okay, great. The captain has agreed that anytime you are welcome on his ship and you've gained reputation with that group. There you go. I like uh, in, in, in long travels like that, basically just putting it out to the players like, are there any com- are there any conversations or anything like that yep. you want to do along the way? Yep. You know, we can, we can have those RP moments, but once those RP moments are out of the way, we're going to be – it's going to be yep. a week later and we're going to be there. Yeah, and I would say for those, on the longer jumps, there's a lot more to consider about what changed in the world. Mm-hmm. And for mine, it was the opposite. I needed to figure out how long ahead I needed to consider to change the world the way that I needed it to be changed. Yeah. Uh, so it was necessary for me to say, oh, crap, it's been this long. <laughs> how long does vast ecological disaster take? <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. Wikipedia. <laughs> kind of. I did a lot of research to figure oh, it out. I, I bet you did. Um. And I was surprised by some of the, the scientific backing that I found. Yeah. For terraforming, I was like, Oh wow, really? Okay. I, I was really surprised. Like, no, hey, I'm I'm, um, I'm down with it. Uh, flat out, just gonna put this out there. Do a little research on how quickly arid a- areas can go from lush to arid. If certain conditions, just simple conditions change. Oh, God. I bet it's a season. Um, Not so much because it doesn't necessarily change the topography. OK. A topography change requires a little other things and I, I had to put those elements into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's surprisingly light in a geological sense. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, we're not talking thousands of years. I mean it can. Sure. Um, but realistically – Really not that long. Couple decades and you're a desert now. Surprisingly, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's kind of terrifying. Gotcha. Um, you know, you put a disaster in there um, and suddenly it's it's bad. Like it's really bad how bad things can happen Oof. and how quickly things can happen. Yeah. Um, people talk about like nuclear winter mm-hmm. uh, or like when Krakatoa went off, what the effects of it was and how far those effects went. Um, there were mountains that suddenly had snow that never would have had them in the past. Oh, wow. In a season – and that flooded a f- valley and that valley, because it flooded, killed the vegetation because mm-hmm. it dried right up. Yep. But that valley was flooded for literally two years. Oh, my God. So when it unflooded, that vegetation was dead. It was clay-based at the bottom of it and it took a long time before that regrew. So it changed that whole area. Wow. I mean it was just ridiculous. And this was from one geological event yep. and about 50 years. Yeah. And it was like something that normally kind of through a natural cycle may have taken 150 or 200 years. And they're like, no, it was short. This was like a crapshoot right, that happened right here. And it, again, it was a small area by geological standards. Yeah. 
But it was like reading through all this, I was like, holy crap. OK, so uh, let's do some math here. Let's do a little discussion and see where we go. And it Butterfly of effect of, yeah. of ecological change, yeah. Yep, yep. So, uh, so that's kind of a thing. So I would definitely say things to look out for um, when you make big junks, jumps is what happens in your world. Like how much of your world changes. If it's going to take your group six months to sail from one continent to another, does it change anything in your game? Is there a lot of communication that happens? Mm -hmm. For instance, if it's something like D&D where your group is traveling hard across an area but the communication between the two points is fast, is someone waiting for them? Yeah. You know, did information come quick enough? You know, or are they surprising somebody because they traveled there faster than mm-hmm. you normally could? Mm-hmm. So time is an interesting thing and it can work towards your favor in games or it can work against your favor. But I think you can use time many different ways and be concerned the longer that you travel or the longer that the time jump is, the wider the time jump, uh, the more your world should af- effectively change, whether conditions, seasons, people events um there's there's things that you have to account for i think the only thing i i have to add because i that's sure. like perfect yep. like i have nothing to add to, to to that the um but uh my 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 only own thought here is that if you're gonna do a time jump that's like okay it's two years later uh you know and you're not like literally physically jumping the characters forward like you did in in, in our game where yep. we we jumped the 283 you years you did you did um you know, uh, you're going to want to have a, 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 a talk with each individual player yep. about their character's goals, what they may have done, what they may have experienced, what they may have accomplished in those two years and such mm-hmm. like that, kind of how they wanted to spend those, mm-hmm. how they felt about things that were going on right. and how they might be affected by things that are in, currently in play. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, calculate where your time jump goes from there. Yep. But yep. again, I think it's just a, just a conversation with your characters to make sure that things kind of go – you know, there's there's still their players. You know, they're they're right. still their characters. So, you they still have a say in really what those outcomes are going to be. Yep. There was one thing I'm going to add to this, and I just remembered it. Mm. It's not what I was laughing about. I was laughing literally at Technolich right now. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's I don't know why this is happening. It just to me. feels like everything's everything really is on the nose. Really, for your, it's like yeah. I just got to stop talking. Um, is that uh, there was a background the player had written up that I read about that I thought was hilarious. And uh-huh. that was uh, he had just started into like a, a military uh, kind of uh, situation and he was pulled into a special group immediately because of his marksmanship kind of thing. He was a good archer, things like that. Sure. Uh, and uh, they were like, great. Like, you know, the DM was like, that's really great. He goes, yep. So he went on his first encounter and got petrified, turned to stone. Oh, okay. Whole group died around him. Oh, jeez. So nobody knew he was there. Oh, my goodness. 200 years later, someone's going by and notices a statue in an old the old Naga forest and yeah. goes, you're a person, and turns them back. Oh, no. Oh, that's wild. So last thing he knows, he's staring down some basilisk or whatever Bow it is. out, ready to fire. And then poof, he's in a completely different patch of woods because 200 it, years of ecological change correct, have happened. Correct, correct. And I'm like, wow, think of the PTSD attached to that. Like the war's over. That group isn't there anymore. That nation probably isn't there anymore right, or at least right. in any form you recognize. Exactly, and exactly. Cultures so, have moved on. Song yeah. and dance are all different. Mm-hmm. The wine tastes different. Exactly. So he's out of place and out of time. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean funny enough, it's not different than the the human astronaut launched into space in cryo ends up in an alien universe. How much time has passed? It's oh, yeah. irrelevant to him because yeah. he's in an alien land. Ellen Ripley. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's exactly. Been, what, 57 years she was in cryosleep or something like that between the two movies. Yeah. 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 So stuff like that. I think that's neat. Mm-hmm. I think that's neat, fun stuff that can be done. Um, all right. What do you want to do next? 
All right. Uh, so what, I, I want to real quick mention because we actually are, believe it or not, running a little. Holy little, shit, we yeah, are. We're, we're getting a little close. Jeez. Um, so what I want to say actually is uh, the Mad Elf has a question for us here. Uh, what do you do to avoid getting burned out as a storyteller? <laughs> I think that's a topic on we our do. future do. show like, list. Uh, it's, I think two, two, three topics ahead. That so we got. we're going to so. do that thing where we say we'll get to your question totally in like will. a month. We would totally get to your question. Um, but we have a whole Hold show for that. Yeah. yeah so, it'll come out. We'll, um, we'll even call you out or You'll call us out on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to do, do you want to do the live one, the live question? Yeah, yeah. Let's do that because because I, again, I think it's really on the nose for what happened yeah. in your game. So Technolich is in our live chat right now, which is a perk that is available for our Patreon uh, 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 supporters. What what? And uh, so he asks us, uh, doppelgangers. What are some good tips for using shapeshifters imitating PCs without tipping off the players that it, that they uh, that it isn't the genuine article? I'm going to say this. Okay. They don't all have to be shapeshifters to be doppelgangers. <laughs> Sometimes they're just people who heard a prophecy and tried to swoop in to fulfill it. Yeah, I'm not going to say that they were evil people, but I'm definitely going to say they, they were, were profiteers. They were opportunists. Yes. So imagine, if you will, you're in a you're, you're you're the DM comes to you and says a man propositions you as a group and says, "I have a proposition. You all seem like good, strong fighters and wizards." But there's really not a lot of money for you out there. But I know there's a group looking for you. So what do we say we pick up the past and I help you become heroes early? I'll hawk you up and you go out there and do heroic things and pick up the swords of the past and be some of these heroes that people think might still be there. And those heroes showed up in the game (laughs) – as doppelgangers, and then my player showed up out of the past. Then the real genuine <laughs> article gets pulled in by a genie. Exactly. In a time jump, and we run into each other. And that happened in the session zero of my game because uh-huh. I wanted to get people into it. And basically, exactly what you just said. I I walked them over the hill like it was a freaking western, and had them walk right down like we are those people. And the other group was standing right there, about to announce themselves to everyone else, and they were like, "Wait, I'm those people." <laughs> well, I I was kind of standing back, just going like, "Oh, okay, no, I'm just gonna let this unfold." Yeah, yeah. Because I know who I am, but I just kind of want to see what happens yep, here. Yep. Like, I got nothing to prove. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Um, what I what I will say on my own end, uh, I had a uh, a character in a very long ago past campaign uh, that had a sense of mistaken identity in his uh, in his character background. There was another adventurer who looked very similar mm-hmm. to him. Um, wasn't an exact doppelganger or anything like that, but uh, similar enough that the two were mistaken for each other frequently. Mm-hmm. And um, so what I did for this was uh, the character would already have a reputation. Mm-hmm. In places he'd never been. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it was good. Sometimes it was bad. Right. And sometimes those both led to complications because when you walk in and you're already considered a hero who can do mighty deeds, there are expectations placed upon you. Right. And 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 bars you must now live up to. Mm-hmm. Whereas, of course, if you walk in a place where your reputation is sullied, where this other character has created some sort of a faux pas – um, now suddenly you're walking in with preloaded animosity that you have no way of resolving because you weren't there yeah. when it happened. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that's that's definitely one way of going. Um, I would say just to kind of generically answer the question though, yeah. consider what these doppelgangers might be doing. Okay. And consider how- who they were interacting with, and consider where. Those NPCs will leave those interactions off. Right. Okay. So if you and I, Rob, yep. got into an argument earlier today about who was going to drive out here to podcast Detroit. Yep. Okay. Um, and I said you were being a real big jerk about it. Right. Okay. And then I showed up at your house and said, hey, uh, are we ready to go? I'll drive if you want. And you're like, oh, so now suddenly I'm not being a jerk about it. I'm going to be like, what? Right. Right. (laughs) Okay. So that's, you know, your, your interactions, you just have to remember, think of what interaction the doppelganger is going to have on that PC's behalf. Yep. Think of what reaction that is going to leave the NPC with Mm -hmm. and then begin your interaction with the PCs based on that reaction. Correct. 
Correct. And Always just keep the other there. person in mind. Right. Um, I've done it in a few games mm-hmm. um, in su- subtle ways where basically um, either the PCs were impersonating somebody and so they had to keep up what those people would be like. Yep. It is no different for an NPC to do that. Yes. And often they're going to try and set the stage for who they are being the right person mm-hmm. versus the PC being something they're trying to emulate. They're trying to set that thing that already set in the the false image of that person is the wrong person. Yeah. This is who I really am. Mm-hmm. And I think that changes the game a little bit. The doppelganger isn't the wrong one. The doppelganger is the right one. Now, on the other hand, if they're going to do something, for instance, your players are going to you know are returning home, right? And the butler says, you know, sir, I thought you already came in. You must have gone around the back door. And you're like, wait a second, who was here? I thought it was odd that you went immediately, uh, immediately to your office, you know, and started working. But you did ask for your, uh, your, your special brandy, which I had to go downstairs to get. I took care of it. Would you still like a glass of it? You know. And you're like, wait a minute. So that person came in, did just enough of a good enough job to get past the butler, and then immediately asked for something that would take a long time to get. Mm-hmm. So that they could start infiltrating what they need, but they're going to get out of there as quickly as possible. Yep. So. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I hope that kind of gives you a feel for uh, what you're looking at. <laughs> he says, my dog went nuts as you were talking about the doppelganger situation in your game and I had to log off. But just let it be known that my network runs deep. I may or may not have a spy in your midst. <laughs> oh, oh, Lord. All right. Well, I hope that helped answer your question. Um, uh, we definitely have a few other questions here. Do we want to try and squeeze one more in? I think we have five minutes we saw. Uh, so Yeah, we've got uh, Technology's other question. Uh, what's your favorite campaign that made uh, – and what made it that? Mm, um, what, no, see, oh, what is your favorite campaign or what was your favorite campaign ooh. is the question. Like what is my favorite campaign that I'm like maybe looking forward to? Or, and do you mean campaign as in like a game system or are you talking yeah, about yeah, like – Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that question gets a little All little right. Thick so there. what I'm going to answer is what was your favorite campaign? OK. A past game that I ran. Sure. And what made it that? Sure. Um, I would probably say it was a past D&D 3.5 game that I ran. OK. Um, for my ex and a handful of uh, – and a handful of mutual friends. Okay. Um, they were a group of adventurers that were um, – there was a war that had taken place between the light and the dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, the light gods and the dark gods all chose their mortal champions and basically slugged it out using the mortal plane as a big chessboard. OK. OK. Um, the uh, – these particular heroes know that the war had already been won by the light side. Okay? OK. So but there were still a bunch of these evil – Chess pieces still out sure. there. Um, and so the – as kind of a round two, these group of heroes were tapped by the light gods as lesser champions essentially to go and clean up the board. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, there was a lich that had been uh, – that had been raised and his phylactery had been crafted by the gods themselves. Whoa. So it's not something you can just whack with a hammer and be done with it. Uh, so they ended up having to try to discover a way to destroy this phylactery after they even found it in the first place and uh, ended up having to take it into the abyss and there was a like Lovecraftian horror-sized um, uh, like world-eating, devouring his mouth as a giant portal yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. nothingness yeah, yeah. sort of thing that like way too big to ever summon into the material realm. Sure. But he totally exists in his own place in the abyss. Right, right. And they essentially had to throw it into that because it's the only place that they could ever put it that it wouldn't – they could guarantee it would never come back out from. Right, right, right. It wouldn't be destroyed but there's no coming back from that. Right, right. You know? So um, they ended up going into uh, into the abyss we had some adventures there mm-hmm. and then uh, there was this like ruined, profaned chapel that was kind of the, the like boss arena for the end of the, uh, of the campaign where this uh, particular thing was held. Mm-hmm. There was a very high-level demon there that was essentially the last boss battle and I ended up party wiping them. Wow. Except for one, mm-hmm. the monk – did some acrobatics, got past and got into the chamber and completed the mission. Oh, wow. As she felt the last of her companions' lives wink out via by, by the bond that they had. Yeah. Um, 
and then when she realized she was the last one left alive, she clutched the phylactery to her chest and threw herself into the maw. Oh, man. What a great way to end. To ensure that it got there. Very Band of Brothers. So, I like yep. that. I like it that. Was, it was great. It was – that was uh, – you have a TPK and everybody yeah. was high-fiving at the That's end. That's the best. That's the best. Uh, I will come back around to this one All because right. I think there's a couple of different ways that I might answer this and I think we can we can definitely talk more about them and what made it fantastic. Um, we've only got two minutes left. So let's uh, let's get into our wrap-up here then. Uh, next week topic, I'm, I'm going to go hands-off. I'm sorry. Okay. I'll, I'll be here to, to fan on the outside of it but uh, we're doing the – Mercer effect. The Matthew Mercer effect. That's right. That's right. Uh, so so, the rise of celebrity, yeah. celebrity Dungeons and Dragons is yeah. now a we're gonna, thing. We're going to dive into some like how people make money on this stuff as well, I think. Yeah, and, so, and how that's affected the landscape of what tabletop role-playing games look like yep. for us all. So, um, all right. All right. Well, uh, let's roll us the ending here. You can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave, uh, on Instagram at st underscore conclave if you want to see some of the craft projects I'm putting together for my game. Uh, Discord is uh, linked in our Twitter, and also you can find that in the show descriptions of uh, pretty much every one of our uh, shows on your favorite podcast listening software. We want to thank our Patreon members, all of you who've helped us so much this year, and all of our listeners who follow that, but especially Knox. You came through for us this year, and we thank you so, so much for that. Absolutely. Um, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. Uh, it can be found at uh, geefrogmusic.webly.com. Our outro music, Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine, can be found at, uh, now again, freemusicarchive.org. We record every week at Podcast Detroit. At Pod- you can find them online at podcastdetroit.com. On Twitter at Podcast Detroit. Our engineer tonight is Emma. 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 We did get this right. We had uh, to squeeze it's, in. It's new, and I'm like, I've got Caitlin written down here, and I'm like, no, that's not right. Oh, I'm and awful. we hope Caitlin's doing well. And tonight. we hope, yeah, Caitlin and her puppy is doing well. Yes. Um, and we want to give a big shout out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean, um, all of our friends who've played uh, in our games over the years, and uh, to you, our listeners, once again, thank you. We love each and every one of you. Good night. Good night.